Hallelujah. What a great statement, God. Show us your glory, Lord. Come on, show us your glory, Lord. That's what we're here for, right? Not here for my glory, your glory, your family's glory. God, we want to see your glory. Amen. God, show us your glory, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that that would be true in this place today, Lord. That you would show us your glory. That you would let your goodness pass before us, right before our eyes. That in this moment, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about Joe. It's not about Pastor Amanda. It's not about us, God. This is a moment that we came into your house, Lord, because we want to experience your glory and your goodness, God. So I pray in the name of Jesus that in this moment that every person here would see your glory and taste your goodness today in Jesus' name. That at the end of this day, we would all leave this place saying, surely the presence of God was in this house. Surely the presence of God was in this place. So God, we commit this moment to you. God, do what you wanna do. God, we acknowledge right now, your way is better. Your plans are better. Your purpose is better, God. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would have your way. God, we get out of the way, God. If there's something I wanna say that you wanna block, Lord, block it. God, if there's some other way you want us to go, Lord, take us there. Because what we know is this, Lord, that in your house, your way is better. God, we came here because we want to leave inspired. We want to leave it reminded that you're good, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that your way is better. And God, we want to leave empowered to live the life that you planned for us. So I pray that every one of us today would encounter you in a way that helps us to leave better and more in line with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, can we give our God just a couple of seconds of praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Y'all excited to be in church? You know, Audubon campus launched 30 minutes ago. Come on now. Praise God. So welcome, Audubon. So good. Hey, I'm glad that you're here today. Welcome to church. Thanks for coming. Uh, I love you, but I don't love you anywhere near as much as Jesus loves you. And so I just know that if you just give Him your life, if you just commit your life to Christ and stay in His house, that your life will be better than it is right now. Amen. And so glad you're here today, and uh, I, I hope that you're hope you're all enjoying our walk through Genesis series. Is that going well? Going all right? Come on now. And uh, oh, by the way, sorry if you're new, we've got a gift for you out in the lobby. Okay. So after the service, go out there, and one of the people running around in yellow uh, are going to give you a gift. That's our Gotcha crew, and uh, they love you, and uh, they do such a good job out there. So just go see anyone in yellow. Uh, and they will bless you with your free gift for coming to church today. So I've got to move this. I feel like I'm further right than normal and it's breaking my brain. There we go. I know that was like super OCD. I'm not OCD. I'm actually CDO. It's like OCD, but in alphabetical order. And so, and so, but no, so anyway, I'm weird like that. Little things like that distract me until we fix it. You know, anyone else weird like that? Good. It's exceptionally weird when you're willing to admit it. So anyway, well, um, today 
we are going to hit Genesis chapter four. So anyway, you may take your seats and uh, and get ready for church. Get ready for the word. I'm excited about this message. I really am. And um, I mentioned to you guys uh, in week one, uh, Genesis chapter one, that we are. Um, that we are, that Genesis is very zoom in, zoom out. Y'all remember that, right? That there may be a portion of scripture that goes for, um, that goes, you know, like 10 verses that, 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 that cover, you know, like one day. And then there might be like a hundred verses that cover, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, 20 years or something. And it, so it's very zoom in and zoom out. And, and so, and Genesis chapter four is exactly the same. In fact, gen, the Genesis uh, chapter 4 verse 25 to 26 actually are after the verses that precede it and so it was a zoom in on Lamech and then it zooms out anyway we mentioned there's a lot of firsts in Genesis and in Genesis chapter 4 there's a there's a lot of firsts again um, there's the first shepherd that's Abel um, there's the first murder where Cain kills Abel uh, and most of you know that story we're going to hit that again a little bit later there's the first departure from God's uh, plans for marriage and family. Um, Cain's descendant Lamech gets two wives. Um, and then there's the first revenge. The same guy kills a young man. Uh, and then there's the first uh, recorded, like man who's just full of pride and, <coughs> excuse me, and arrogance. Um, there's the first public or corporate worship. <coughs> excuse me. And so there's lots of firsts in this sermon. But what I want to talk to you today about is murder, hate and the arrogance of unforgiveness. Sound good? Y'all awake? Y'all with me? So murder, hate, and the arrogance of unforgiveness and bitterness. And so we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to zoom in on Lamech and look at uh, the Jesus Duke found at the other end. And I just quickly want to read to you that last part of the passage again uh, in Genesis chapter 4, just the last portion of that. It says in 23, uh, Lamech said to his wives, we got a problem already, don't we? <clears throat> Lamech said to his wives, plural, uh, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And Adam knew his wife again. And again, this verse 25 went to back before this, okay? And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore him a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born. His name was Enosh. And at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, the people began to call on the name of the Lord. And I love that part there. And at that time, the people began to call on the name of the Lord. It's the first worship service in the whole word of God. And it's not that Adam wasn't a man of God. It's not that Adam wasn't a believer or that Adam wasn't calling on the name of the Lord. Adam was and Adam did. But this is the first time that the people got together and worshipped God. And we're still doing it today. Isn't that awesome? It all started in Genesis chapter 4 where we gather together and call on the name of the Lord. So anyhow, we're going to dive in a bit more on Lamech, right? But as we roll through it, Genesis chapter 4, it, it, it's quite a journey. It starts with family. It rolls through a couple of murders, uh, some revenge, some arrogance, even some polygamy, and then the plain lands in worship. So it's quite a journey, isn't it? It's a crazy chapter. Um, and I think most of us are probably familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. Um, but I know that some new Christians uh, might not be 
or maybe you don't understand the full context of it. So let me quickly share that with you, right? It's the first murder in the Bible. Cain gets jealous of his brother Abel the shepherd, uh, and, and, and Cain kills him. And then God punishes Cain and said that you're banished from the land, and you will wander the land. And Cain says, my punishment is too much to bear, all right? So immediately Cain is experiencing um, the loss and the, and, the, and, the, and the chaos that has been created by his sin. And he says, my punishment is too much to bear. If anyone finds me, they will kill me. Now this right here, that's that first moment where we see hinted at the law of God that says, if, and if by man's hand, man's blood is shed, by man's hand, his blood shall be shed too, right? And that's where we first see that sort of come into play here. And so Lamech is now afraid. He's like, well, I killed a man. And so if any other man sees me, they will have the right to kill me also, right? And so... So that sort of, sort of puts a bit of fear in Cain and then he gets worried and, and he's remorseful and he's mourning the, 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 the chaos that his sin has brought into his life and God says, not so, all right? In fact, I'm gonna mark you so that everybody who encounters you will know that you are under my protection, all right? So see, see I, I will return on them my vengeance sevenfold if they hurt you, if they kill you. And so by marking you, people know, don't mess with Cain, he's under God's protection, okay? Now that's kind of like this. Um, Maybe a modern day example of that would be that my passport, my Australian passport has a mark in it, right? Now I'm an American now, but I don't have an American passport yet, working on that. Um, but, but, my, um, but my Australian passport has Queen Elizabeth II seal. It has her mark in my passport, right? Now a lot of you would be like, why, why does it have that? Well, actually um, Queen Elizabeth was also the Queen of Australia as well. There's actually a joke that goes around that people say, Australia loves the monarchy more than the UK does, and the UK will probably get rid of the monarchy before Australia does, and they'll have to move to Australia and build a castle there, right? And so Australia's still under the Queen, or now under King Charles, and, and so, so the Queen has a mark in my passport and a letter from the Queen, and if I hand that to you, it's the Queen requesting that you protect me, that you look after me, that you provide for me, that you grant me safe passage, and you're supposed to recognize that I am under the queen's authority and protection and what you do to me you do to her right and so that's in my passport right uh, and so so or in my Aussie passport now now this is a similar concept in the word of God that God marked Cain so people would recognize that Cain is under God's authority and that Cain is under God's protection and what you do to Cain you do to God and what you do to Cain God will revisit on you seven Fold, right? And so, so Cain, after he sins, God became his protector, and it's understood that Cain mourned the outcome of his sin, and God promised, I'll avenge you sevenfold if anyone hurts you. Look, if I see that mark on somebody, and it's like God will avenge them, I'm going to see the mark, and I'm going to walk away, right? So this protected Cain's life. Now, enter Cain's descendant, Lamech. Now, this is not the same Lamech you'll read about in the next couple of chapters. That's a different Lamech. That Lamech, Noah's father, was a godly man, and that Lamech was from the lineage of Seth, okay? We're talking about a different Lamech now. This Lamech was the descendant of Cain. He's five generations deep since Cain, seven generations deep in humanity, 
and he's the main character of today's sermon. Lamech basically represents a perfect picture of man's depravity and the sin nature that has now become complete in mankind. That's Lamech, and he's a perfect picture of the arrogance, the ungodliness, and the sinful nature of mankind, and it only took us seven generations to get there. Right? He's so arrogant, he's completely arrogant, right? He completely ignores all of God's word, all of God's laws, and all of God's customs. He ignores everything that God puts in place. In fact, the first time that we see Lamech speaking in the word of God, Lamech is speaking to his two wives, right? And he's completely abandoned what God instituted and what God created and and what God blessed. He's abandoned that. He doesn't want a wife. He wants to have two wives, right? This is the first attack on the gift of marriage that we see in the entire Word of God. This is where every single attack that we see on marriage, on family, on gender, this whole attack that we're experiencing today, it all started with Lamech. Imagine being the guy responsible for the destruction of family values the world over. That's Lamech. It all started with Lamech, polygamy began that day. Y'all thought it started in Utah, didn't you? Nope. <coughs> nope. Polygamy started on that day right there. And you know what polygamy is, really? It's not multiple wives. What polygamy is, is one wife and then adultery wrapped up with a fancy title. That's what polygamy is. Polygamy is adultery that somebody gave a fake title, marriage, all right? A second wife is no more real marriage than gay marriage, all right? It's not real. It's not marriage. It's just adultery that somebody gave a fancy or a holy-looking title to. It's nothing more than perversion with a holy-seeming title. They call it marriage. It's not marriage. Lamech had a second wife because he desired another woman, wanted to sleep with her, but wanted to pretend that what he is doing is holy and right. See, what Lamech wanted to do was, Lamech wanted to look holy more than he wanted to be holy. How many people do we know like that these days, right? How often do we find ourselves kind of acting like that, right? Where we're like, we want to make sure that we look holy and the appearance of holiness is more important than the actual uh, than, the, than actually being holy, right? And so Lamech gets this idea. He's like, I'm going to commit adultery, but I'm going to virtue signal. I'm going to call it marriage so I still look holy even though everything I'm doing is unholy, but I still want to look good to everybody else. Come on, we all can be a little bit like that sometimes, can't we, right? With our virtue signaling, pretending that we're this good or that good when really what we're doing isn't. What God wants from us is humility that says, look, what I did is jacked up. God, forgive me, help me not do it again. Amen. See, this guy figured he could create a better model than what God created. Faithfulness is foreign to a man like this. He's not faithful to God. He's not faithful to God's word. He's not faithful to tradition. He's not faithful to God's plan, God's customs and God's design. And he's completely unfaithful to his first wife. Right? Ladies, let me be, let me be frank with you. All right? If he cheated on his wife to be with you, and if he left her to be with you, he's going to cheat on you, and he's going to leave you to be with some other chick down the road. 
Come on, he's gonna do that, right? And like, I'm not talking about people who have a momentary lapse in judgment and then they step out of the marriage and they commit adultery and they do something terrible, uh, but then they repent, they come before God and they submit themselves to God's covering and God's process and they become restored and the marriage gets stronger and healthier, potentially even more stronger and healthier than it even was beforehand because they submitted to God. I'm not talking about those people, right? I've seen marriage overcome adultery, all right? So if there's been adultery in your marriage, listen, that's not Lamech, all right? I've seen marriages overcome adultery. I've even seen marriage, in fact, more marriages will overcome adultery than financial hardship. You have a better shot at, at, at persevering through adultery than you do at financial hardship. So get your finances in order. I'm committed to this marriage for better. Get your finances in order. It's gonna help. It's gonna help just as much as not stepping out on your marriage, all right? Don't step out in your marriage and provide for your family, all right? See, financial hardship has actually destroyed more marriages, and I have seen more marriages survive adultery than I have financial hardship. So, so what am I saying? You need to humble your, if your finances are a mess and you really want your marriage to last, then humble yourself and go to somebody and say, my finances are a mess, I need help, would you help me fix them, right? I had to do that, I've had to do it twice, actually. I had to do that, I had to be honest, I had to humble myself and ask somebody. I went to another man and had to be, so humble and be like, you know what? Go to another man and say, I don't know how to provide for my wife. We gotta humble ourselves if we want growth, amen? But I've seen marriages overcome adultery. I've seen uh, people get divorced and remarried and I've seen that work. My own mum and dad are divorced and remarried. My dad and my biological mum, they got divorced. My dad remarried Wendy, a wonderful woman. I call her mum, she's my stepmom, but I call her mum. She's been an incredible mother to, to my um, siblings and I. Uh, she loves Jesus, she loves, uh, she loves my dad, she loves her kids and she loves my, my, my siblings and I as much as, as if we were her own kids. I, I've seen that work. But what I haven't seen is someone like Lamech make it work. I've never seen that work yet. I'm yet to see somebody step out on their marriage and then leave their wife for that person and that marriage work. I've never seen that work yet. In fact, I've almost always seen that process just keep on repeating itself. Now, could it work? Hey, God's a miracle working God. Are you here and is that how your marriage started? I don't know. If it did, you better submit yourself to the process. You better humble yourself before God and say, God, and not make it, oh, I had to, oh my gosh, they treated me. No, you better say, God, help me. I know that wasn't right, but God, help me not do that again. Amen. I haven't seen it work, but praise God, he's a miracle working God. But this bloke, God's descendant mocks the gift of marriage, mocks God's design, mocks God's plan, and mocks God's word. This arrogant son of a gun, Lamech, he's out in the field one day and some young man hurts him. Now we don't know what the young man did. We don't know if the young man was just like playing with rocks and trying to skip them on the lake and he hit it across and it bounced over and hit Lamech in the head. We don't know if it was that. We don't know if he came up and punched Lamech in the back of the head. We don't know if he threw a rock at him intentionally. We don't know what happened. All we do know is clear from scripture is the punishment did not fit the crime and what Lamech did was revenge and, and it wasn't, and it wasn't, uh, and it wasn't, um, 
and it wasn't fair. It wasn't the right thing to do. We know that from the scriptures, right? It wasn't like uh, Lamech is there with his family. Some guy comes in and says, I'm going to pillage your family and kill you all. And Lamech's like, yeah, you got to get through me as the man of the house. And That's not what happened, all right? So we know that the young man did something inconsequential and then Lamech overreacted and then he boasts about it. Without even a shred of remorse, he goes to his two wives and he, and he boasts and he says, that young man, and he's boasting here too. It's not just um, <clears throat> someone... It's like as if I'm 80 and then a a 15-year-old hurt me and he should be way stronger than me, but I beat the snot out of him, right? Like he's boasting to his wives, the young man hurt me and I killed him. Now even Cain didn't do that, did he? Cain didn't do that. Cain didn't boast. Cain actually mourned the results of his sin, all right? But this is is where it gets really interesting, right? Um, So so Cain, uh, sorry, Lamech, knowing that Cain, uh, that if anyone hurt Cain, that God promised to avenge him sevenfold, makes a really, really powerful, um, and not in a good way, a statement. Lamech boasts, knowing that God will avenge Cain, Lamech boasts that my vengeance will be 77-fold, all right? Or if, if anyone should cross me, they're gonna get it worse than if they ever crossed Cain. He's literally boasting to his wives. He's saying this, God's revenge has got nothing on my revenge. He says, God may avenge sevenfold, but I will avenge 77-fold. He literally is telling them, I will take my revenge. I will protect our family. I got this. We don't need God. Anyone who's ever hurt me is dead and buried. If anyone else ever hurts me, they're going to get it too. This man has no grace in him. He's got no mercy in him. There's no forgiveness in him. There is not even a shred of remorse in him, and there's not even a desire to even have forgiveness or healing in his life ever. This is a bitter arrogant, angry, and evil man, Lamech, the epitome of man's depravity right there in Genesis chapter 4. Now, many of you might be hearing this and say, look, Pastor Jesse, we get it. Don't kill people. Don't do murder. Thanks for the message. After church, I was going to go out and kill somebody. I was going to murder them, but thank the Lord for our well-timed message. I'm not going to do that. We won't do the murdering. Got it. Thank you very much. Others in the room, maybe you're like, look, I haven't murdered. I don't plan to murder. I'm pretty confident that that's not going to be the sin that so easily ensnares me in my life. Murder's just probably not going to be it. Maybe we could focus on the adultery. Maybe we could focus on the lust. Maybe we could even focus on Cain's jealousy that he had towards Abel. These problems seem more fitting. They seem more likely to be the snares, the sin troubles that might come into my life. Um, But you know what, church? I think that perhaps I actually am focusing on the one sin or the couple sins that are most likely to ensnare you in your life in this modern world. Murder, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Murder? Really? Yes. You see, in the New Testament, Jesus put anger that turns into hate 
Um, the word he used meant enraged, and it didn't mean enraged like, I'm so angry. You know, not like the righteous anger that we should have. Jesus even said, be angry, but do not sin. The word of God says, be angry, but do not sin, right? So it's not that word. It's this enraged anger that's, that's rolling up into hate. Um, and he says that we will be judged for that. And John, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, elaborates in 1 John uh, chapter 3. He says, we should not act like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. And we know from reading Genesis and other portions of Scripture that relate to this, that he was jealous of Abel. And then he goes on to say, so after saying, let's not be like that, all right? And everybody's there, probably just like you, being like, oh, we aren't planning on murdering anybody, bro. And then and he says, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. He talks about we're not in the darkness anymore, we're in the light. And then he says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Nice. So when we find ourselves angry, not just angry, but so angry that we are enraged and our hearts are filling with hatred. Scripture says that we have murder in our hearts and that we will be judged the same as if we killed Abel. Hatred and unforgiveness is as destructive to you and your spirit as a heart full of murder. Oh, I don't want to be like Cain. Come on now, right? Oh, I don't want to be like Lamech. Right? We're better than that, aren't we? Well, if there's unforgiveness and hatred in our hearts, no. No, we're not better than Cain or Lamech. So what I want to do is I want to unpack that scripture a little bit that I just read, the one from 1 John 3. I want to unpack that a little bit. We're going to talk about how to forgive, uh, and then we're going to land the plane in, in one of the most amazing um, sort of cross-references that we find in the entire Word of God, okay? So Jesus said, so check this out, Jesus said, um, the world hated me, and they're going to hate you too, right? You remember that? And so number one, if the world, if everyone in the world and all the evil people love you, I, I don't think you're probably living your Christianity properly, all right? But he said, the world hates me, and they'll hate you too. Then John echoed Jesus in saying, hey, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And then I'm like, so surprised that the world hates me. Anybody else, right? It's like, don't be surprised the world hates you. And I'm like, surprised, you know? Like, you know, it's like when we, when we get, uh, you know, when we're praying for healing, we're like, God's gonna heal. In the name of Jesus, God's gonna heal. I expect a healing. Then they get healed and we're like, whoa, didn't expect that. You know, same here, like, Jesus is like, hey, the world hates me, they're going to hate you. And we're like, okay, got it. Uh, John's like, hey, don't be surprised when the world hates me. We're like, okay, got it. Then we find out the world hates us, and we're like, I can't believe they hate me. Is it just me? Come on, anybody else, right? Scripture told us that they will. Now, I'm going to be, like, overly transparent. <clears throat> Hopefully, the, the example I give doesn't offend you. Um, if it does... Too bad, um, but, but like I am going to use a, uh, I, I want to be transparent. I'm going to share an area of my life where I can get a little bit of hatred in my heart sometimes. Um, I shouldn't, but I do. Um, and if you're like, man, that's bad. You know, I, I, want, I want to go to a church where the pastor is, is, is holy, 
Well, I am, because Jesus says I am, all right? And I'm trying to be, and, and I want to be, and, um, but, but I want to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not the pastor who can hold out the Bible and say, this is how I live, okay? I'm the pastor who holds out the Bible and says, this is how we all should live, and I'm going to keep doing my best to live according to the Word of God. And the older I get, and the longer I'm spending, I've been a Christian, and the more time I spend with God, and the more time I spend in His Word, the more my life is beginning to line up with the Word of God. But I want to be honest with you, there are still areas of my life where I'm growing. I'm on a journey, and so let's go on the journey together, okay? So as I tell this story, and maybe be transparent with you, um, I want you to insert your own story into here, all right? Who hurt you? What did your ex-husband do to you? What did your ex-wife do to you? What did an old friend say about you? What did somebody accuse you of? What did somebody take from you? Who did that? I don't know, but I want you, whatever it is in your heart, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, perhaps you'll be able to sort of relate to what I'm saying here, okay? But for me, one of the biggest areas that I can get like, is when the world literally, particularly like uh, politically, when they hate on me for being a conservative uh, sort of Christian, you know what I mean? Like, Like I've got biblical conservative, values and I feel like all this hate coming at me and I'm like man all I'm doing is holding this up and being like this is how we ought to live you know what I mean like I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I am living like this I'm just saying that I'm trying to and just because I'm failing in this part doesn't mean I shouldn't hold it up and say this is still the right way to live y'all know what I'm saying right and so, so I get like frustrated and then I watch the TV and, and, and you know, I, I see that clip with Biden with the Marines and the red and, and he's calling people like with my values a threat to the country and I'm like, like bro, why so much division? And I'm like, bro, why, why do you hate me so much? And, and then I hear him talk about conservative Christians or evangelical, uh, as he would call us. And, and I'm like, bro, why do you hate me so much? We ain't ever even met, bro, you know? I'm like, come on, man. And, and then when I hear news anchors talk about how evangelical Christians are worse than the Taliban because we're pro-life, I'm like, what? And I start getting angry. And anger's all right, like be angry, but do not sin. But for me, it doesn't always stop at be angry and do not sin. It's like be angry and start the sin. <laughs> Anybody else? You know, I'm like, I'm the Taliban because I'm like, let's not kill babies. And that guy is the same as the guy saying, let's kill all the babies. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so confused. How dare you call me that? How dare you call me that, the people who oppress women and, you know, and over here, people say women can't drive. Over there, women can't drive, you know? And I'm like, you're calling me that guy? Like, come on now. And I start getting angry, anybody else. Then I start praying, I'm like, calm down. And then I say something because like the world's going crazy and I think it's important that the church actually speaks about the issues that the world is going crazy about. But because the way that I say it doesn't line up with their woke agenda and their crazy, no truth exists anywhere in the world kind of narrative, then they hate me. And they don't just hate me like, I hate what he's doing. They're like, you're a Taliban. I'm like, why? And I still, mm. Is it just me, you know? And I find myself getting so angry. And, and if I'm honest with you, if I'm transparent with you, if I'm not trying to be the holier-than-thou kind of pastor, if I'm honest, sometimes, sometimes, not always, not even that often, but, but sometimes in my heart it goes from, man, I hate that, to I hate you. If I'm honest with you. 
And sometimes after seeing all this hatred toward me, hatred, and you know, after I keep witnessing all this hatred towards my people, my friends, my family, I start being like, maybe I'll return that favor. I hate you too. But then John has the audacity to remind me, hey, Jesse, why are you so surprised that half the country hates you? Jesse, why are you so surprised that people with evil in their hearts hate you? Why are you so surprised? I'm like, because you didn't say it enough times in the Bible. You said it like five times, like a hundred, and I'd have known it for sure, you know? I'm like, surprise! They hate me. What? You know? John's like, if your heart fills with hatred back at them, you're behaving just like Cain and just like Lamech. And Jesse, we who have passed from death to life don't act or think that way. You've got to let it go. You've got to forgive their insults, their hatred. We who live in the light cannot let hate rule in our hearts. We are called to love. Like we say here, I'm going to love you even when you hate me, right? But it's, it's hard and, and honestly annoying. Right? Come on, y'all. Like, I love the Bible. Me too. It's annoying, though. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, there's, like, no excuses. <laughs> you know? It's like, but Biden? And the Bible's like, yeah, bro. And I'm like, oh, man. See, we were Christians, eh? We were like, no, I can hate Biden. No, you can't. No, you can't. I'm leaving this church. Fine, go find one that affirms all your garbage theology ideas. Or we can have the whole word of God. Amen. But it's hard to love people when they hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who persecute you. It's hard not to hate those who pervert my religion. And I try really hard, and I do really well, often. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know when you start getting proud of how awesome of a Christian you are? Oh, yeah, y'all are like, no, that's just you. Come on. (laughs) Y'all are like Moses. I'm the most humble person that ever lived and wrote it down, right? (laughs) Moses wrote that. Did you know that? How hilarious is that? Moses wrote in the Bible, Moses, the most humble man that ever lived. (laughs) And I'm like, How humble do you have to be to be able to write that humbly in the Bible so it's true? Man, goals. I often say I'm the most humble person you'll ever meet, and that's something I'm real darn proud of. But anyway. Sometimes I do, though. I'm like, man, I'm doing a good job. I'm like the best Christian ever. (laughs) And when I feel like I'm doing well at this loving everybody and praying for those who pursue me and, you know, praying for people who pervert the word of God and the plans of God, and, which, by the way, it's good to be angry about that. If that doesn't make you angry, I, I imagine you don't really care about the word of God. Like, and you do need to speak about that and talk about that. But we've got to make sure that we don't let hatred start ruling our hearts. And I feel good. I'm praying for those who ridicule me. Then Gavin Newsom perverts God's command to love your neighbor and uses it to endorse murder. And oh, there it comes. I'm like, hmm. In your anger, do not sin. Okay, I pray. 
and I'm doing okay, doing great. Then I'm sitting at the table, and I see someone who's been ridiculing me online, being like, attacking me and telling me how evil I am and how nasty I am and all this other gear and how I'm the teller. And I'm like, hmm, so good. I love them. I love you. Then I turn on the TV and I hear about how because I've got conservative morals and I'm a Bible-believing Christian that I'm worse than a Taliban. And honestly, it can be exhausting because I'm like, you know, like, like it can just... Anyone else? Like, you know, it may be a different issue for you, you know. You, in, in, maybe you're the complete opposite, you know, but, but like, it's exhausting. So today I want to share six points on how to be forgivingly healthy, how to keep bitterness out of your heart. Sound good? Some of y'all like six points. I feel like we're ready for the close. No, we're just getting started. <laughs> But I'm going to be quick through these, and we're going to land it on something amazing. So um, point number one, love your enemies. This will help keep your heart sweet. Now, some of y'all will be like, love my enemies? That's not going to be easy, all right? Look, it's not going to be easy. Christianity is not easy, all right? It's just better, all right? And, 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 you know, it's easy to hate. That, that's easy, but it's really bitter and terrible for your life and your relationships. Jesus said, hey, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, love your neighbor and love your enemies. <clears throat> and we're like, ugh, that, that's, that's awful. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, but h- how good are you really if you love people who love you? Like, don't even the pagans do that? That's what he says. Don't, don't even they, it's easy to love someone who loves you. Like, I love Lauren. That's easy because Lauren loves me. So I just love her back. That's easy, right? Like, and, you know, and plus she does awesome things. She's actually like the greatest cook in America. And it's awesome, right? And so like this week she cooked Indian food and it was better than the Indian restaurant, right? Now that shouldn't be surprising because the Indian restaurants in the middle of the Midwest in America are probably not that good. But, but you know, it's a long way from India. But she cooked, it's amazing. She's a great cook and and so when someone's going to like cook for you and love on you and say kind things to you it's easy to love that person right like now I'm not saying ladies y'all got to cook for your husband I'm just saying my wife likes to cook and I love having someone who wants to cook for me it's awesome right you do you boo boo all right whatever have a conversation in your kitchen about who's going to start cooking from now on and how much you'd love that whatever I don't care but I love love it. it's easy to love someone who loves me like that easy Right? What Jesus is saying is it's a lot harder to love somebody that persecutes you, hates you, ridicules you, and despises you. But love anyway. C.S. Lewis said, um, he said, if you find that you don't love somebody, act as though you do until you presently find you actually do love them. What he means by that is start acting like you love the people you hate, and then eventually you might discover, oh, suddenly I love you now. It doesn't mean you have to be in relationship with them again. It doesn't mean that you have to hang around them again. But there might be some sort of love, not necessarily the same sort of love. If it was an ex-husband or an ex-wife, it's not like it's going to be the same sort of love. It might go from an eros into a phileo, more of a, from, a, from an intimate and, and, and erotic love into, into a more like brotherly love. Like, yeah, you're a brother in Christ, you know, and, and, and that's cool, right? But, but, but we act like we love. In fact, when, when I say I love people, at first when I would say I love people who were like just attacking me or even politically hating on me or whatever else. At first when I'm loving, it's just full prophecy. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm like, I love you. And I'm prophesying that in the future, God willing, that'll be true, you know? Like that, that will manifest now that I've named it and claimed it, you know, like I'm saying. <laughs> and so, like, you know, like, what, what is faith, right? Calling that, that is not as though it is. Well, I don't love you, but I'm going to say that I love you. I'm going to speak that out. I don't love, I'm going to act like I do. I'm going to say that I do. And I believe that someday I'm going to actually love you. Love your enemies. Amen. Keep your heart sweet. Number two, bless those who curse you. Luke 6, 28. Come on now. Bless means speak good things about them. You know you have the power of life and death in your tongue. That's what the word of God says. We got to stop using it to ridicule, tear down, cut down, and hurt everybody. Oh, they say mean things about me. I know. They did horrible things. I know. I, look, I, I'm not saying that what happened to me was as bad as what happened to you or, or, or whatever else, but I know this. You're not the first believer to ever have to forgive someone. And somebody's got it worse. I always find that funny. Hey, your kids say that to you growing up when, well, there are starving kids in Africa. And their idea is someone's got it worse. I don't know what they say to those kids. (laughs) There are kids with anxiety in America. (laughs) I don't even know. But but you're not the first person, nothing new under the sun. You're not the first person who's ever had to uh, forgive somebody. All right? Use your tongue to bless, not curse. Here's, a, here's an example, right? Um, this week, Biden said that the, um, and again, back to my illustration, um, this week, Biden said the pandemic's over. And then, like, liberals were like, no! And conservatives were like, yeah! And I'm like, yay! <laughs> you know, like, like it's like, we, we actually can agree with him when he says something that's true. Me, I'm like, whoa, you and me agree on something, bro. Depend- For me, it's been over since like May, June 2020. But hey, you finally got there. Yeah, pandemic's over, dash Joe Biden, right? Like, like and I don't understand this idea that, 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 that when you disagree with somebody and everything else, that you can't even for a moment acknowledge when something they said was true or right or good. It's statistically impossible that every single thing that ever comes out of that man's lie, mouth is a lie or wrong. It's not possible. In fact, I even talked in my God and politics sermon that we're called to submit to authority. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we are like obey authority. That's not what submission means, all right? Submission, mean, submission is a posture in your heart that seeks to cooperate when possible. And so if, if it's evil and wrong and lies, I don't cooperate with that. But I will cooperate with the pandemic's over. You're darn tootin' right it is. Yes. Thank you. Good job, mate. On ya, Biden. Just an illustration, relax. (laughs) But I hate him. No, you don't get to. You don't get to. Well, Jesus said that, God said in Proverbs, that, that, sorry, in the Psalms, David wrote, God, you hate evildoers. You're not God. The Father gets to do things you don't get to do. Why? Because God can hate somebody and love them at the same time. You can't, you gotta pick. You're not God. Well, why does God get to? Look, I get to eat ice cream out the freezer anytime I want. My kids do that, you're getting a spanking. (laughs) The father gets to do things the kids don't get to do. I get to drive, the kids don't. I get to eat Cheetos at midnight, the kids don't. It's a good word right there. (laughs) Come on now. Number three. All right, look, I land most of these planes somewhere near the landing point. Not this one. All right, number three. 
Do good to those who hate you. Now, this one's actually fun. There's a proverb that talks about how when you do good, when you actually give gifts to your enemies, it's like putting coals on their head. Like bad motivation, kind of wish that verse wasn't there. Because <laughs> it kind of screws with my motivation sometimes. <laughs> I, was out for, uh, I was out of the cafe um, a few weeks back, and a woman walked in with, um, it said abortion rights are human rights on, on a shirt. Real big letters, you know, like whole shirt. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm. Because like if you wear that shirt, you ask him for a conversation, right? Like I got these make the rainbow holy again shirts, and if you wear that, be honest with you, you're asking for some conversations, you know? So I'm like, same with this chick, right? You're asking for a conversation. And, and, and like, like, I'm pretty sure that her and I would probably be considered from some kind of worldly perspective enemies, okay? Like you don't see a lot of those shirts hanging out together, you know what I mean? Like they're not like, hey, let's go to the game together, you know? Like that doesn't really happen that much. So pretty, you know, maybe I'm assuming things, but I was like, yeah. And I was getting annoyed at this shirt. I'm like, man, you need a conversation. I don't like this. Uh, and so, but then I was with people who are new to church and I'm like, I can't make a scene. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, it's our first week. We've met the Pastor, dude's a freaking psycho. So I'm like, all right, well, can't do that. So instead, I, I paid for their meal. And I wrote, glad you were born. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Gone. Coals. You know those coals up there, you know? She's over there. She's like, it's hot in here. You know? <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> Proverbs says the gift paves the way for the giver, right? It doesn't mean that the relationship, all of a sudden me and that person are going to be best buddies. It doesn't mean that. Uh, if there's somebody that has offended me in my life, hurt me, done something to me, giving them a gift or giving a gift doesn't mean that them and I are going to have restoration now, but what the gift is going to do is it's going to pave the way for the one who gave the gift, right? And so for me, when, when, when you and I give, to those who hate us, it paves the way for forgiveness and healing in our hearts. That, that's what it does. It changes our hearts, you know. When we do good for people who despise us, it helps keep our hearts sweet, right? See, generosity is a key attribute of our God. And, and so when we give to those who hurt us, it, it, we're imitating God who gave to us when we hurt Him. Amen? Y'all ready for another one? I'm going to be quick, all right? Um, pray for those who persecute you, okay? When I find myself getting angry, anger, anger turning into rage, hate creeping up on in my heart, uh, one of the best things we can do is pray for them. Pray for them. And, and not just pray that God deal with them, although I'll get there in a second, but pray God bless them. You know what? There's nothing going to soften your heart more than spending some time in the presence of God, full stop, and then praying for the person that hurt you or that's causing you grief or bitterness or pain in your life, Right? Pray for those who persecute you. Lift them up. God, I pray you bless them. God, I pray you do something in their life that's so good that your goodness would pass before their eyes, catch their attention. They'll realize the error of their ways. And also pray, God, I'm trusting you with vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Now what God said? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, so I'm praying, God, I trust you with vengeance. God, I, give them, give them, I want your vengeance, not Lamech's vengeance. I, I want Cain's vengeance, not Lamech's. I want your vengeance, not mine. And we're trusting that God's going to take care of it instead of us trying to take care of it ourselves. Amen? Pray for them. Number five, stay humble. Don't forget, you need God. 
Now, I know you may not have done to anybody else what they did to you, but somebody is saying that they have never done to anybody else what you did to them. Okay? Just remember, you ain't perfect and you need Jesus. Jesus had to die on the cross if you were the only person on earth. You know people say this, if I was the only person on earth, Jesus still would have died for me. Let me rephrase that. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have still had to die. You ain't perfect. You need Jesus. I need Jesus, all right? We all need Jesus. Don't forget you need God's grace as well. Something about remembering how much you need God will give you enough grace to let God deal with somebody else. Amen? Now, what a great process. And then after all that, (laughs) it still comes back. I know. I'm supposed to say that and then be like, and then you're done. No. No. After all that, it still comes back. And I find myself being like, I'm going to stab you. I will find you. No, you know, like, is it just me? Or you bunch of holy, you know, like, hey, I'm holy because he says so. I ain't earned it. (laughs) I'm trying. And again, I'm not making it, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, look, I messed up. Yay. I'm going to be like, I messed up. Yay for God's grace. And God helped me stay the course. But listen, sometimes when that hate comes back up in our hearts, then there's the question. Well, Jesus said, like, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, like, forgive my debts as I have forgiven my debtors. You know, forgive my sins as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. Jesus said that if you do not forgive others their sins, then your heavenly Father in heaven will not forgive your sins against him. And so it's like, well, so then if that comes back up in my heart, am I not saved? right? Yes, you're still saved. Yes, you are. So long as you have chosen to go on the journey called forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't a moment. Forgiveness is a choice that I'm in it for the journey. Number six, forgive completely and forgive continually. Here's the most amazing part of the message. Remember in Genesis chapter four, Lamech says, Cain's revenge is sevenfold, but mine shall be 77-fold. Also translates as 70 and 7-fold. Both are accurate ways to say it because it's communicating a concept, not a number. Okay? And so if we go to, you know, Luke says 70 and 7, um, Matthew says 77, Lamech says 77. Um, it's a concept. See, the numbers, remember the numbers mean a lot in the Word of God. I don't need to over-spiritualize it. It just is spiritual quite often when you see numbers repeated and phrases and concepts repeated in the Word of God. See, seven means completely and 77 means uh, forever or continually. Uh, 70, sorry. And so what Lamech was saying when he said Cain's revenge is sevenfold, he's saying God will avenge Cain sevenfold. However, if anyone hurts me, my revenge will be complete and forever. He's saying, if you come against me, I will always avenge myself and I will completely avenge myself. He's saying, I, will all, uh, he's saying, I don't forgive I never forgive, and I will never, ever forgive. I will take my vengeance against anyone who ever comes at me. Fast forward thousands of years to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21 to 22. If we could roll that up on the screen, please. Um, Peter come up to Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Hey, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and, and me forgive him? 
as many as seven times. And Peter's probably like, how generous am I, you know? And, and Jesus says to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times or 70 and seven times. And, and so how many times shall I forgive if someone hurts me? Jesus says 70 and seven times or 77 times. Is Jesus saying that if they sin against you, you should forgive them 491 times and after that, get them. Is that what he's saying? You know, like, like, like one, 489 more times, I'm going to stab you. Two, three, four, five, six, 460, 30 more times, 489. Next time you're going to get it, 490. That's it, dead. It, that's not what Jesus is saying up in here. Come on now, right? No, Jesus is telling us seven and 70, 77. He's saying we need to completely forgive and we need to continually forgive. Completely forgive the person and continually forgive the person. Why is he saying that? Because Jesus knows that forgiveness isn't a moment, it's a journey. Forgiveness doesn't happen, I forgive you. And then I all of a sudden never feel anything when I see your face and I'm reminded of what you did to me. No, I'm not God, I don't forget. See, forgiveness is a journey. I have decided that I will go on the journey. I forgive you. Then I walk away and I feel better. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm a good Christian. I forgive. Awesome. See his face. Ah! Ah! I'm going to stab you. No, forgive. I preached, I heard a sermon. Do not murder. Forgive. Walk away, you know. Oh, good, that's all fantastic. Then I see their face. Die to stab you. Uh, oh, no, forgive. Don't do that, Jesse. Murder sin. Uh, just forgive. <sighs> forgive. See their face. Ah! I forgive you. Walk away. See their face. Ah! I forgive you. Walk away. See their face. Ah! I forgive you. Walk away. See their face. Ah! On repeat. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's not a moment, it's a journey, right? And praise God that God's grace is sufficient for you. Praise God that God's grace will sustain you through all those moments where you're like, I'm gonna stab you. Like praise God, that, but you've gotta stay committed to the process. Jesus understands you're not gonna automatically forget that somebody that somebody took something from you that can't come back. Jesus knows that, that, that you're not gonna forget what somebody did to you as a child. Jesus knows that you're not gonna forget that your mom or your dad abandoned you he knows it's a process but stay committed to the process amen i choose to forgive and in choosing to forgive them i'm prophesying healing into my heart it still hurts today but the more i submit to the process every time i see your face every time someone says your name i'm going to remind myself and the holy spirit's going to remind me of the word of god that i need to forgive again and again and again and again and again until until this prophecy that I've made happens where my heart is healed and I see your face and it does nothing. Or maybe all it does is all of a sudden I realize I actually love you. It's a journey, amen. Would you all stand up with me as we get ready to land the plane? Trust me, I get that it's hard and I know that for many of you, there's been much tougher things than the example I gave today. You know? I know that. Can I have the bandy people come back? 
Thank you, Pastor Rachel. Um, I, uh, I know that like, my example is, is, maybe, is, is nothing compared to many, but trust me, I've had other things that are with people that have done things to us and had to process and walk through that. But I know you like you see them and you forgive them and you pray for them, you do a gift or something, speak life, say love, and then it's bad. I just love that Jesus, when asked how many times I ought to forgive, rolls all the way back in the Bible. Through all the hate, through all the wars, through all the anger. All the way back to the first statement of vengeance from a man. He says, I'm going to take what Lamech, the guy who attacked marriage, the guy who attacked family, the guy who was so arrogant, the guy who committed to never forgive, to never forget, to never let to never let God deal with it. I'm gonna go all the way back to that guy's most arrogant statement. And I'll bring that all the way back and he's gonna give it to you and me. But flip it on its head and say, Lamech should have forgiven. And then every time he thought of him or saw his face, forgive again and again and again. Lamech, firstly, should not have married two women. Moving past that, out in the field, when the rock hit him in the head or whatever happened, he should have forgiven the man and moved on. He definitely shouldn't go back and hang out with that young man. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, mind you, some of you are married to the person you have to forgive. Some of you have children with the person you have to forgive. So you will see their face again and again and again and again and again. You don't have to go back and have the same sort of relationship with these people. If you're still married to them, you need to work on it and seek wholeness and healing and restoration. But Lemek for sure shouldn't have gone back and be like, hey, bro, let's do this dance again. Hit me again, you know? But you do have to forgive. That's that old saying. It's, it's, it's very cliche, but it's very true that when we don't forgive people, when we hold on to bitterness, it's like drinking poison and we think it's going to kill the other person. And all it does is ruin your life. And that's it. Why did, Ari, why, why did arrogant Lamech, why did Lamech not forgive? Lamech is arrogant and thinks he can deal with things better than God can. You know what unforgiveness and hatred is? Unforgiveness is an arrogance. It's a belief that I can deal with this person's offense better than God can or better than God will. Let's trust that God's way is better. That God will deal with it better than we ever can and ever will. Submit yourself to the process. That process will keep your heart sweet. That process will keep your heart sweet and your life will be better. Bitterness, that's easy. And those other people, they love seeing your life still broken and bitter. Bitterness is easy. It's brutal on your heart, your health and your relationships. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is really hard it's a long process but the fruit is delicious so I want to pray for people today who have bitterness in their heart and we're going to believe that God's going to give you the strength to stay the course to stay the process until you presently come to find you really have fully forgiven them and when you see their face hear their name it does nothing to you again.
But if you have some bitterness, some unforgiveness in your heart, well, number one, I'm glad you heard the message today so you know, hey, if there's a desire in your heart to forgive, you're still saved, you're all good, don't stress, you're forgiven. But you don't have to keep living like this. So would you come down the front? I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for release. I'm gonna pray for God to heal your heart. And I'm gonna pray for God to give you the strength to stay committed to the process when the feeling comes back. So just come down the front right now. We've had like 50 in every service. So I know this service, same deal. So come on down the front. And you're just taking a step down the front. You're saying, yeah, there's unforgiveness in my heart. There's bitterness in my heart. And I don't want it anymore. I'm coming down the front and I'm claiming healing in the name of Jesus. I'm prophesying love. I'm prophesying healing. I'm prophesying wholeness. I'm prophesying forgiveness in my heart. Like, God, you deal with them. God, I, I, want, I, want, I want Cain's vengeance, not Lamech's vengeance. I want Cain's vengeance. I want God's vengeance, not my vengeance. God, you deal with them. God, I trust you. God, your way is better. I need a healing. I don't wanna keep drinking this. I don't wanna keep feeling this. God, I want healing in Jesus' name. Come on down, come on down, come on down. Come on down. down the front here, what I want you to do is I want you to keep praying, all right? I'm gonna talk to everybody out there for a second. And you guys down the front, what I want you all to do is to pray, all right? You just keep speaking, you keep taking it to God. I know people hurt you. I know that for many of you, the stories of the pain and the hurt and the brokenness in your life is much bigger than the example I gave. But like I said, I've got other examples that are healed and passed. We don't need to talk about that. But I'm believing the day comes for you too, where these things, these issues, these people, that you will see their face and you will be like, it either does nothing or you're like, oh, I, I love them. And, and you're gonna be like, oh. And I'm telling you, that day is coming, all right? And I want you right now to take it to God. You keep praying. You keep speaking to Him, all right? You take it to Him directly. I'm gonna pray for you in about three minutes, okay? But while you're praying for yourself, I wanna pray with everybody else. So if you're here in our church today and you don't know Jesus, you need to give Him your life. His way is better. You need to have a personal relationship with God. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved, okay? So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me. And as you pray this prayer one line at a time, I want you to believe it in your heart as you confess it with your mouth. And according to the Word of God, you are saved, okay? What's that mean? Does it mean you're perfect? No, but it means God sees you as perfect and holy, set apart, righteous. And then you're gonna go on a journey where God is gonna help you to line your life up with His Word, gonna help you to line your beliefs up with His Word, gonna help you to line your desires up with His Word. And so your journey starts today. None of us are perfect. We're all on an ongoing journey becoming more like Christ. But today you're just saying yes to God. You're acknowledging that God, your way is better. Just like how we have to acknowledge that the way that God set up with Cain is better than the way Lamech set up, right? Life is like that. We've got to acknowledge that God's way is better than our way. God's plans are better than our plans. God's justice is better than our justice. 
God's way is better. And we acknowledge that as we give Him our lives and ask Him to help us become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.